I'm sharing today from the epistle text uh, for this morning. You can remain seated from 1 Peter 3, verses 13 through 22. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience, pardon me, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this now saves us, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers having been subjected to him. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in your truth, for your word alone is eternal truth. Amen. May grace and peace be multiplied to all of you this morning. Through God our Father, and through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful weaving of the scriptures, reinforcing and impressing upon us common themes. I was preparing for today's message, and one of the things that over and over just impressed my heart was the love of Christ. Really, that's what it's all about. When you look at what God was inspiring Peter to share here with other believers, he said, but in your hearts, honor Christ. In your hearts, honor Christ. That's, that's where everything starts and finishes, isn't it? And scripture certainly teaches us that it's out of the abundance of our heart that the mouth speaks. If a person knows and loves the Lord Jesus Christ, it will be a natural thing for that individual to manifest that with a smile, politeness, not honking when the person in front of you isn't moving fast enough. Taking the opportunity, as small as it might be, to share the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We live in an exciting day. Some will say, well, why do you say that when so much seemingly bad is going on? When our system of family, all that God has outlined clearly in Scripture, is under threat from the enemy. To which I would say it's always been under threat from the enemy. And sometimes when we face these kinds of days, it reminds us again of our own sin, our own complacency, our own tendency to take too much for granted. And if we spend time in the Word, and as we spend time in the Word, we are reminded of God's wonderful sufficiency. Kids talked about that. Thank you this morning. From our gospel text this morning. The disciples were in fear of their lives. When they heard Jesus say, I'm going, <laughs> there was no comfort in that. They were afraid. They'd become accustomed to his ability to raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out demons. They knew that Christ had the ability to do just about anything. And my, what a king he would have made. Huh? Overthrowing Rome and restoring once again Israel to its glory. But of course, Jesus made it clear to us, didn't he? That that's not why he came. That's not at all why he came. And the closer that he drew to Calvary, to the cross, the more offensive to many of his followers his speech became. Until finally he made the comment. He said, you know, he said, unless you're willing to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. And scripture says, after that time, many followed him no more. The bulk of the gospel narrative, dear friends, is tied up in just those last days and weeks before Calvary. And as Jesus is preparing to do the very best that he did for us, his disciples, his followers, were feeling that so much differently than we did, or we would, than he did, certainly. Well, in our three texts today, we have history behind us. As Paul Harvey would say, we know the rest of the story. Amen? Pretty good. Pretty good. I might ask that again once. So just get ready. Yeah. As we look at the totality of our scriptures here. And we see the promise and the reassurance in the gospel of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said greater things than what he did. than these will you do after I've gone to the Father. Because as Luther said, every Christian is a little Christ. We are all saints, thank God. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We see practical instructions in the life of a Christian in our text today. I love that section in the book of Acts 
And the Apostle Paul, where you can just see how deeply it mattered to him that he shared the gospel, talked about the resurrection of Christ. And in that narrative, as they're listening to him, and he was deeply moved when he saw all of the idolatry, knowing that people who were seeped in that were doomed to an endless hell. It's never changed. It's true today. And as he was walking through the Areopagus there, looking at all of the different gods, he came on this one. You know, it's one to have all our bases covered, right? <laughs> I would too. If I had a thousand gods and I had to pick, I'd want to make one that said, your name is unknown just to make sure I had all my bases covered. Aren't we grateful today for the sixth verse of John 14 where Jesus said, I am the way. And he is the only way. Contrary to those who would say it really doesn't matter what you believe, all roads lead home. That's not true. It's never been true, never will be true. There's only one way, and he is the way. I am the truth. He said, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Here were the masses with Peter and with Paul, listening, watching, and Paul said, this, this idol that you have to the unknown God, that's the one I want to preach to you. This is who he is. And he took, he took that opportunity to preach Christ. He did it politely. He did it graciously. He did it caringly. Because his heart's desire, not only for Israel, but for everyone that he encountered, is that they might be saved. That should be our heart's desire today as well. And we all can be light and give voice to the gospel. As he talks here in Peter, he says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for doing what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared. Making a defense. Giving a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to share. Well, it's what we have in our hearts that makes a difference, right? People will see that. I'd like to say that my heart's always in good shape. That way it's not. Talk to my family. They'll be quick to if you talk to our dog. If the dog could talk, dog would even tell you that. Um, but the truth is, 
What Christ puts in is what comes out. What we put in is what comes out. Out of the abundance of your heart and mine, we speak. Years ago, I went to visit a woman whose husband had just died. And I didn't know her well. When I was way back when I was serving a parish. And uh, she was reputed re, uh, to be one of the best cooks in the, in the church. And when I went to see her, she had baked an apple pie. And she insisted that I have a piece of that apple pie with a cup of coffee. It didn't take a lot of coaxing because I was getting ready. And she, was, she, died, she just didn't feel like eating. And, and she was struggling with the death of her husband. Well, I'll just fast forward here. Uh, I sat down and I took a bite of that delicious apple pie and found out that instead of sugar, she'd put in salt. Now, I smiled as best as I could and I ate that apple pie and drank the coffee. And we had a good time, and it was probably a few days later when this same dear soul called me up, absolutely mortified, because she had, after all, eventually, had a piece of her apple pie. At which time I had the opportunity to talk to her about how hard it is when somebody you love dies, and how your world stops and you can't think. And I said, after all, sugar and salt are both white. I said, well, I don't know if she ever did get over that, but, but it created an opportunity, you see. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. I like to see the life of a Christian as the link in the chain. You're, you're a link wherever you are. And if you don't do what God calls on you to do, like Peter encourages us to be ready, if we, we aren't willing to do that, then, then whatever that next link is, isn't going to fit where it wants to. Be ready. And then embrace suffering as it comes. Christians will suffer. Scripture actually says we do, and, and I'll even, Scripture says it here, there are times when a Christian suffers, it's God's will. According to the will of God, we suffer. Say, well, how can God do that? Well, he did it with his son. <laughs> On the cross, cried out, Christ cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's no suffering that we have ever felt and touched in our lives that will match that. No one can understand what that felt like for Christ. In that moment, to feel the punishment because he became sin and God turned aside in that moment. The blood of Christ was taken to the presence of the Father. He said it was enough. So that all of us sitting here in church this morning are declared righteous for Christ's sake. And we are, according to 
Paul in the book of Philippians then as righteous as Christ himself, if we have Christ within us. He is our example. He suffered once for sins. In verse 19 of the next chapter, it says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator and do good. <laughs> do good. Well, in the closing verses of our text today, we see this grace-filled salvation that God provides. He talks about the days of Noah and Christ going and preaching to the captives in prison. Now, these were individuals who'd heard the warning of Noah when the ark was being prepared, and they wouldn't listen, and they didn't listen, and they are forever separated from God. And that was not a sermon that Christ preached that gave them a second chance. It was to let them know that when the grace of God was offered in that day, that the grace of God, in fact, came. And as he talks about the ark, and he said, in the days of Noah, while the ark is being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Remember, God closed the door of the ark. God closed the door. He says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, which is one of the meanings of the word in the Greek, but he makes it clear it's not that one. He said, but it's an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So, my dear friends, we have our little ones come up for children's sermon. Some of them are being carried as babies. Oh, how we thank God that he has chosen through baptism to forgive original sin, to give the gift of his Holy Spirit. And there never needs to be a day in the life of that child that they don't live with the assurance that the Christ who met them there isn't with them every day. That wasn't true of me. And maybe for a lot of you, it was at one time. And it changed. And it may be even today that some of you have wandered from that truth. I would encourage you, through the grace of God, which he has offered so abundantly, to come home. God bless you. Amen.